Have you ever heard the statement, I don't want a religion, I want a relationship? Or Christianity has nothing to do with religion, but our relationship with Jesus is what matters. Then even one step further, maybe you have heard this, or maybe you've even said it. I wish those Christians would quit being so religious and stop acting like Pharisees. (laughs) Well, in today's episode, we're going to explore the aforementioned statements. We're going to answer the question, what is a religion? Are we a part of one as believers? What does a relationship truly look like scripturally? Why do we compare people to Pharisees? And what are we actually saying about them? So grab a Bible and settle in as we tackle all of this right now on The Great Sift. Welcome to The Great Sift Podcast. Through weekly installments, we provide content that will engage, encourage, and empower you as a believer in Jesus Christ. We tackle topics of the day, host interviews, and provide a biblical view on what is happening in the church and the world at large. So grab a Bible, open your heart, And let's begin to sift through all that God has in store. Let me first begin with saying, I am aware that there are many opinions based on this popular phrase. While some may agree with what I'm going to present and others may not, I have learned over the last 20 years, it always behooves us to bring our discussions, yes, even our debates, back to what scripture says then properly understanding context can help bring clarity to situations and ultimately will bring unity. While yes, we can disagree on secondary or unclear passages in scripture, we cannot be divided on what it does say in a very clear way. This is one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast. I want to illuminate what scripture teaches so that unity can be built amongst the believers who listen and with whom you are in relationship with. So let's begin with the actual definition of what a religion is or what religion is. It is this, the belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power, especially a personal God. It's a particular system of faith and worship. It's a pursuit or interest to which someone ascribes supreme importance. And I think that's very um, becoming of this discussion because we put supreme importance on certain things within inside Christianity. And that's where some of this disagreement uh, begins to brew. So let's take a look at the statement. I don't want a religion. I want a relationship. This statement is often used by believers that do not appreciate a liturgical approach to church ministry which simply means that there are a set ways in which people conduct worship services and gatherings. This quote-unquote formula, if you will, can be seen as stale, outdated, traditional, and can come across as not even heartfelt when viewed by those who oppose this approach. Due to their view, oftentimes, they deem this liturgy as religious or simply going through the motions without true connection to God. Thus, the statement, I don't want a religion, I want a relationship, has gained much traction through the years, especially amongst younger evangelicals, Pentecostals, and Charismatics. 
Now, on the flip side, without even realizing it, those who utilize this statement are themselves engaging in liturgy. (laughs) They have their own quote-unquote formula, if you will, on how to approach worship and the gatherings that they partake in. The music, the lights, the darkness of the room, repetitive music that engages people to quote-unquote feel the presence of God is translated as growing in a relationship with God. Now, these gathering moments are important to those who deem relationship as essential to their needs for growth. Oftentimes, though, people who are solely focused on relationship, not religion, are willing to stay in musical worship for hours, simply just being in God's presence. While the two overviews are simplistic, and there is much more to each side of the coin, the question still comes back to this, are either of them wrong? If so, how? Well, to answer this question, we have to go to the Word of God. If you have your Bible, turn to James chapter 1 as what I believe is the answer to not only what true religion looks like, but what a true relationship looks like as well. You might be surprised at what this answer is. So if you have your Bibles and you're at James chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 19. And it begins off saying this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let, e- let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious, there's that word, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. I'm going to stop there just for a second because verse 27 is so good. But think about that verse, verse 26. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Their faith is is worthless. Their, the, the belief in God is worthless, right? The, the supreme importance that you've placed upon Jesus becomes worthless when what? If any person who holds to this thinks that he's religious, but does not bridle his tongue, getting frustrated, angry, spitting out uh, vanities and falsehoods, doing the things that he just called out, in verse 19. Notice this whole context of this passage is speaking about the same thing. So if you're religious, but yet you still are quick to anger and your anger is not producing the righteousness of God and you still have filthiness around you, verse 21, and rampant wickedness, and you're not receiving the implanted word in you, then your religion is worthless. What you deem of importance is worthless if you're not doing what God has called you to do. Verse 27, this is beautiful. Religion, right, that is pure and undefiled, whether you be a traditional person or a modern person, 
in, in your gatherings, in your worship circles, and all of that. Doesn't matter which side of the coin you're on, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and, okay, too many people stop at taking care of orphans and widows is perfect religion whenever it's being paraphrased and spoken out right in the middle of conversations. They, they, they forget the second part, but there's a big and here that the half-brother of Jesus says, James, right? And to keep oneself unstained from the world. Two, distincti two distinctives of what religion is what true religion is, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So you see, we see verse 27 tells us exactly what true religion is. It is to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction, to help and love our neighbors and those in need, to love others and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So how do we do this? We do this by keeping the two greatest commandments. And these are the two greatest commandments that Jesus expresses us expresses to us in the book of Luke. He says, pardon me, he says, how do we, uh, that we are to love the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second commandment is as good as the first and to love your neighbor as yourself. We are to love the Lord, our God and love our neighbor as ourself, taking care of the orphans and widows and their affliction, their downtrodden, their hurt. They need help. We are to love them as we love ourselves. And we are to love God by keeping ourselves unstained from the world, meaning that everything that we read in scripture, we are doing our best to apply to our life and walk this godliness out in it. Verse 22 is extremely important in our connection to God for what our relationship, our relationship to him truly is. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. So if you want true relationship with God, this is a bold statement that James makes. As a believer in relation to God, regardless of your liturgy, regardless of your approach, regardless of the, the um, list of what you do, prayer, worship, Bible reading, Bible study, how you engage, regardless of that, this is a bold statement. As a believer in relation to God, regardless of your liturgy, we must be doers of the word and not hearers only. This means that as a believer, we have to know what the word says in order to be a doer of it. In order to be obedient and strive to keep ourselves unstained by the world, we have to be a student or a disciple of God's word. Studying God's word does not mean that we take men's ideology Reading a book that a pastor's written on an idea and saying, well, I studied God's word today is not the truth. Just because you hear somebody speak something or listen to a sermon does not mean that you've studied God's word and know exactly what to do with it. See, because if that's what you're doing and saying that you've studied God's word, then you are simply having a relationship. That's true. But you're having a relationship through a man, not through his word and not ultimately connected to him, to God. 
Being a doer of the word doesn't mean sitting in three-hour worship sessions four times a week and feeling close to God. I would love to do that. (laughs) I would love to just sit for hours and just be with Jesus in that way. But no, we actually have to read the Bible. We actually have to, for ourselves, see what it says, believe what it says, and then apply what it says. I'm going to say that again. For us to have a true relationship with God, a true relationship with Jesus, we have to actually read the Bible for ourselves, see what it says, believe what it says. Even if we disagree with what we're reading, (laughs) we have to see what it says, believe what it says, and then apply what it says. See, I have often heard the people who say the line that they want relationship, not religion, define the religious as people who are judgmental, overtly critical, and damaging to the point of spiritual abuse. Let me take this moment and say, I agree. Listen to my words. I agree that there are many individuals who misuse and abuse people under the guise of religion for their own gain. Spiritual abuse is real. I personally have been manipulated at points in my life. And when I come back to scripture, I realize where and how that happened. But I in no way want to minimize someone's pain or hurt. However, those people who are not acting in true religion, which is a form of relationship, according to scripture, they need to see this through the eyes of James. So true religion is a form and how you form relationship with God, because they are simply the two greatest commandments. But in doing so, we have to be a doer of the word. Now, I know this is getting a little bit longer than normal for me, but I'm going to continue down this path because we have to look at some other things as it pertains to religiosity, if you would, okay, in our world today. So during the defining of a religious person, people also may say, quit being a Pharisee. Actually, I had someone say that of me recently. (laughs) The reason is, is because I shared a Bible verse with them that admonished or corrected their behavior. They felt conviction. They didn't like it. And in turn, they called me a Pharisee, saying I was using scripture to make myself feel superior. This was not the case. However, it also brought to light that a lot of people may not understand why the Pharisees were characterized the way they were in scripture. First off, yes, they are the ones who killed Jesus. Yes, they were religious leaders of the day. But let me give you some pointed characteristics of who they were according to scripture. I'm only going to give you, uh, I think I've got four written here. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to give you four. Here we go. They were arrogant and prideful. Arrogant and prideful. Luke 11:43 says this. Woe to you Pharisees. This is Jesus speaking. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. They would be literally be walking through and expect people to turn and bow their heads towards them. They loved being greeted. They loved being the center of attention. They loved having the best seats in the synagogues because they genuinely did look down on people. They felt like they were the quote-unquote truth bearers. And so because they could read and they had the, the, the Torah, the law completely memorized, that they were better than everybody else. There was an arrogance and a pride about them that Jesus spoke about. Jesus spoke directly against. 
So when you call somebody a Pharisee, ultimately this is a characteristic that you're thinking that they're having. Now that may be true in a moment, they may not be true, but we have to look at it. What scripture says. Number two is this, they were lovers of money. Luke 16, 14 says this, the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed him. Who did they ridicule? They ridiculed Jesus. They ridiculed Jesus. The Pharisees were lovers of money. There are plenty of pastors, quote unquote, pastors in our uh, country today and across the world today who are what? Lovers of money. But yet, This is a characteristic that sometimes when we're thinking about Pharisees, this doesn't necessarily come out. We're thinking that they were just religious judgmental people who killed Jesus, which they were. But we sometimes don't attribute to them that they were simply just lovers of money. Well, they always wanted to get ahead. They always were trying to do certain things. And if you do a deep study of of Pharisees, you'll see and that they even stole retirement, if you will. It was called Corban. It was the gift of Corban. They stole retirement from elderly people by taking money from younger family members. I can't really do it justice in, in explaining it on this right now, but uh, look up, if you're interested in that, uh, you can look up what is the offering of Corban, and uh, you'll be able to get a better understanding. Uh So they were arrogant and prideful. They were lovers of money. They prayed upon the poor and prayed long prayers to seem righteous, to seem righteous. Matthew 23, 14 says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses. And for a pretense, you make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive the greater condemnation. Literally, the exact opposite of true religion. Pharisees are the exact opposite of true religion. <laughs> they, they devour, they steal, they prey upon poor people to make more money. And then they, they, they go about saying long, audacious prayers to gain more and more recognition. The exact opposite of what James describes as true religion. Lastly, they forced the traditions of men upon people. Mark 7, 7 through 9 says this, In vain do they worship me, speaking of the Pharisees, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. Another translation says it like this, to the tradition of the elders. The tradition of the elders you'll find that these were laws that Pharisees had written and put into the law. I'll give you one example. When Jesus came in with his disciples and his disciples didn't do the ceremonial washing of their hands, they said, the Pharisees said that his disciples were breaking law, breaking the covenant, which was not true. So what the commandment was, was they had to come in and, and uh, hold their hand palm down with their left, starting with their left, and they would dump water over it, and then they would do palm up and dump water over it. And then they would go and they would put their uh, right hand face down, water over it, face up, water over it. And then they would say this really weird little prayer. But it was a tradition of man. It had nothing to do with the Torah. And so Jesus is like, you're putting in commandments of men. And there are people today that are making traditions within Christianity that are not biblical. 
These are pharisaical religious men. These are religious women who are instilling traditions of men rather than what scripture says. And we need to be careful about when we look at somebody and say that they're being overtly religious in this way. All right. So there are many more references, but I ask you to take a moment, contemplate what scripture describes describes as a religious person within a Pharisee, prideful, arrogant, lovers of money, making traditions of men, praying upon the poor, seeming righteous. That's what a Pharisee is. There's so many more characteristics in the New Testament that you can find of a Pharisee, but those are four very powerful characteristics that you can easily see in people, or maybe not so easily if they come across in certain Christianese language, right? So I'm going to ask you one more time, take a moment, contemplate what scripture describes as a religious person within a Pharisee. Who does this sound like? Does it sound like someone who is doing their best, regardless of tradition or modern style, to hold to God's word, to love God and love people? See, my journey over the last several years has brought me into some pretty extreme expressions within Christianity. I attended for a a, a time a highly charismatic church that some would consider, and then I, I'm sorry, and then I went to and now attend what some would consider a very highly traditional church. You know what I found? Can you believe what I found? I went to a very highly charismatic and now to a very highly traditional church. And you know what I found? Heartfelt believers in both. Yeah. Heartfelt believers in both. I found many, regardless of the church they attend, need to grow in their study and application of God's word. Now, there's definitely, you know, things in there and discussions in there that that need to be had on both sides of the spectrum, whether it's highly traditional church or highly charismatic church. But for those who balk at the idea of deep Bible study, and only grow from prayer and worship, may I share with you this? You are missing so much. (laughs) You are missing the voice of God. God's word, the Bible cannot, I'm going to say this very boldly and very strongly, God's word, the Bible cannot be separated from him. No, I do not worship a book but I worship the one who communicated to us through the written word. Now, let me end today by encouraging you with this. Be mindful of who you allow to teach you about God. Be mindful of who you allow to teach you about God. Even everything that I said, explore the scriptures, see if I'm right. If I'm not right, then do what scripture says, not what I'm saying. First and foremost, open the word and read it for yourself. See that tradition isn't being a Pharisee, neither is having a modern style in our worship. Yet how we engage God does matter. Religion is what a believer is to cling to. Religion for the believer is simply the two greatest commandments. But in order to pursue a relationship with God, we must be doers of the word. We must, not not just the pastor, not just the minister, we must know it in order to do it. I want to thank you for listening and joining me today. 
If you would consider supporting The Great Sift, there are three ways that you can do that. First of all, if you could like, leave a comment, or rate The Great Sift on whichever platform you are listening from. This helps to make it easier for others to find us. Secondly, prayer and fellowship is key in our walks with Jesus. If you would like to know specific prayer requests that I, my family, or requests we receive, you can join our email list. Simply like and follow our Facebook page, The Great Sift Podcast with Chris Stewart, and DM us with your email address, and you will be added to that. Lastly, as we continue to grow, make connections with our online community, and deliver content that helps you in your walk with Christ, we could use your financial support. Whether it is a one-time gift or recurring monthly, anything you donate will be used in bringing the good news of Jesus to all who will listen. The links for how you can support will be listed in the podcast description. Thank you for your support and your generosity. I truly love you, and we can't do this without you. As always, may our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with you and your family. May God truly bless you today.